Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, today we are talking about the 1977 comedy fantasy horror black exploitation film, Petey Wheatstraw. Movie about a comedian who agrees to marry the devil's ugly daughter in exchange for being resurrected after a successful murder attempt. Now, before we begin, I will say there are some folks out there who have strong opinions about black exploitation as a genre, and their opinions are probably correct. So, I, I guess what I'm going to try to do is stick to the story and how it was made and and we're just going to talk about this movie rather than some of the negative aspects of the genre movie was written and directed by cliff ropemore he had a very short career in film Um, he's got one tv acting credit in a failed sitcom called thicker than water looked like it was canceled mid-season And he has directing and producing credits from 1976 until 1982, known for The Human Tornado and The Disco Godfather. He's much better known for his stage work, having been involved in more than 200 regional or off-Broadway plays. He wrote the musical The Gospel Truth, which won a few NAACP Image Awards and died of cancer at the age of 53. Because Cliff Ropemore wrote this story, as much of the dialogue as possible must rhyme. Because mm-hmm. that's the way he wrote. Also, that's like just, that was Rudy Ray Moore's like, whole stick. Right. So it's like, he came in with a character that talks like that. It's like, well, shit, you know, if he talks, you know, kind of foul out of place. So like, everybody's kind of got to talk like that. Right. Rudy Ray Moore as Petey Wheatstraw, comedian, singer, actor, and producer, had been given the nickname the godfather of rap for his recordings of profanity-filled rhyming poetry, known for creating the character Dolomite, the pimp from the 1975 film of the same name, that is regarded as one of the great black exploitation films. The greatest character, one of the greatest characters. I think that's my personal opinion. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why. It just, I love that kind of like thing. And like, um, they remade it like in kind of for like modern audiences, the uh, black dynamite with, uh, and, yeah, he's certainly an iconic character and iconic movie. There's, there's no denying that. Yeah. If Jimmy Lynch as Jimmy, I included him here because in addition to acting in this and all of the Dolomite films, He also filled the roles of art director, writer, special effects, costume and wardrobe department, production designer, and music department at various times on each of the Dolomite movies. So he's a utility guy. He does everything. There's nothing he doesn't do. Yeah. He was like the dude's uh, right-hand man. He was also Rudy Ray Moore's double in a lot of the fight scenes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Leroy Daniels is Leroy known for Disco Godfather, Avenging Angel, and a recurring role on the 1973 season of Sanford and Son as Lucky Leroy, half of the comedy duo Leroy and Skillet that were active in the on the Chitlin circuit from the 1930s until until they just stopped doing that, I guess. <laughs> Along with his right-hand man Ernest Mayhan as Skillet, known for Handle with Care and playing the role of Slick Skillet on Sanford and Son. They just pretty much played themselves, I guess. They did. And that's what they did on Sanford and Son too, you know, a yeah. lot of uh, because they had worked with Red Fox in the 40s and 50s doing stand up as well and and on Sanford and Son so it, they were brought in to to do the to yeah to basically play themselves and that's what they did here too yeah we have Ebony Wright as Nell she had a very short film and TV career appeared in Thicker Than Water Penitentiary 2 and a couple episodes of Good Times I've seen Penitentiary 2 is it any good? Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's uh, it's like a prison movie about uh, street fighting. Okay, and they got a little person to be like a Mr. Miyagi, and he, <laughs> he does called the ostrich kick, where he just like flops up in the air and breaks your neck. Okay, it's it's pretty uh, traumatic. And we have Wild Man Steve Gallen as Steve made his name as an underground comedian in the seventies and released several albums that had to be sold under the counter due to their racy content. As a touring comedian, he appeared alongside folks like Flip Wilson, Red Fox, and Pigmeat Markham, appeared in The Guy from Harlem and Deaf Comedy Jam. Yeah. Yeah. So the movie begins (laughs) is probably the strangest beginning I've ever seen. We get a black background. With flames and peaty wheat straw, producing a uh, a rhyming braggadocious introduction. I've been waiting twenty four episodes to say braggadocious, Jesse. I finally fit it in here. Well, this is the perfect one for it because <laughs> that's peaty wheat straw's like main uh, characteristic. Uh, it even comes out as like I'm peaty wheat straw, the devil's son in law, the high sheriff of hell. Yeah. He just he keeps on laying it thick from then on out. Right. Can sit on a tombstone and produce baby ghosts. Yeah, I don't mean to brag or boat. <laughs> Cut to the day Petey was born in Miami. We get some footage of a hurricane inside. A Three Stooges birthing scene is taking place. Oh, God. You have a, a woman lying in the bed under the covers. Now, the whole bed is bouncing around as she's thrashing around in this bed. It's like the exorcist. Her husband, of course, running around in a panic, and the doctor shows up. Uh, the doctor gets into position to deliver the baby. Before he does, though, he, he sees her, and I don't know what they have under the blankets with this woman, but apparently her belly is like, three feet high under the blankets it, yeah. it's crazy <laughs> and he says what's she gonna give birth to an elephant and, and of course her husband gets offended by that grabs him by the shirt and say you saying my wife screwed an elephant which is easy enough to diffuse the doctor just tells him to go get plenty of hot water they always do that they always 
more hot water. More hot water, yeah. You need hot water for everything. Well, the doctor gets into position to deliver the baby, and he he tells the woman to bear down. And and first, he delivers a watermelon. Then he delivers a 12-year-old boy who promptly starts beating him up. First, he cusses him out. Then he starts beating him up. He sure does. (laughs) So Petey Wheatstraw was born full-grown, talking, and fighting. He also bit the doctor on the way out. Which is yeah. weird because he came out feet first. He also came out wearing pants. Yeah. Well, no, it's like a diaper. Oh, okay. Which, yeah, yeah you're weird. right. But it, it's straight up like, yeah, it's like a cartoon. When his father comes into the room, he also attacks his father for disturbing his rest every night. Uh, I don't <laughs> know what he meant about that. Do you, Jesse? I'm going to plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> I was never there. Anything. Then we get title credits against a backdrop of flames and a the title credits seem to go on for a really long time in this movie. And in fact, throughout some of the some of the actual story is is paused for more opening credits. Well, it's it's caused that the title theme is so badass they had to use up that whole song. Right. They they did I that's true. That's true. We don't want to cut off a good song. So if we got to have three minutes of song, then we're having three minutes of credits. Yep. And that's what they did here. We cut to it. We see a slightly older Petey Wheatstraw being confronted by bullies on his way home with groceries. And an old man is, is watching, very interested in what's going on. The bullies decide they're going to beat Petey up. And every once in a while, the fight will pause to show more credits. And I, I didn't hate the way they did that. I just thought that it was odd that the credits went on for so very long. Yeah. Well, after the bullies run off, the old man approaches and introduces himself as Bantu, and he offers to teach Petey martial arts. So we immediately get a fight training montage with more credits. <laughs> <laughs> and and this, this fight training montage is actually pretty decent. Yeah. Well, Petey tells Bantu he wants to be a comedian, and Bantu tells him he can succeed in that dream as long as he agrees never to bow to anyone living or dead and to always use wisdom to defeat his enemies. And then he sends Petey off into the world. There's a really deep, really long bow, and then it cuts to adult Petey bowing on stage as a comedian. We don't get to see much of Rudy Ray Moore's stand-up. Here we only get a couple lines of raunchy crowd work and handling a heckler, and that, that was pretty funny the way he handled the oh, heckler man. too. Shut up! <laughs> I love it. I love Rudy Ray Moore's line delivery in every movie he's in. He yep. doesn't care if you like his acting. He doesn't care if you don't like the delivery. It's just the hundred percent because right. like his pure. acting is not great. Yeah, it's, not. it's very wooden. But he's acting as himself. So it, it kind of, right. you know, kind of makes up for it. Also, when he said shut up, I shut it up. <laughs> he did say it with authority. Yeah. <laughs> and then he said somebody's going to take this lady from across the room breast and beat him with it if he didn't shut yep. up. He said, if he didn't shut up, I'm going to have this woman over here pull out one of her titties and beat you with it. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you heard it right the first time. 
That's how you solve hecklers. Oh, backstage, Jimmy is totaling up their take for the night as they prepare to leave for their next show. Sheila wants Petey to take her along, but he puts her off. Sheila is jealous of Nell and knows that Nell lives in uh, where their next stop is. So but apparently Petey's one of these girl-in-every-port kind of guys. Oh, yeah. Next, we see Leroy and Skillet. They are in a meeting to get some financing from Mr. White, who is apparently connected to the mob so that they can open up a new club. They assure Mr. White they've got no competition for at least three months and and should be able to make back the money he loaned them at 20% interest. Mr. White leaves and Leroy and Skillet begin planning their big show. Mr. White looks to me like he stepped out of an Andy Sedaris movie. I know, yeah. Uh, It kind of reminds me of, uh, what's his name from Easy Rider? Peter Fonda, okay. Peter Fonda, yeah. Peter Fonda, but like, like sleazier and stuff yep. like he's got the same kind of like nose but it's like i don't know the face is all wrong and shit he's got like <laughs> i don't know just like stupid hair but you know he's wearing a turtleneck and he's a white guy in a black exploitation movie so he's obviously the bad guy and obviously pretty, yep pretty evil pretty scummy you know so yeah he's, he's just the guy that oh we we owe this money got money he's the one that's going to start the problem you know he's the snowball effect right and the fact that they are borrowing money from someone connected to the mob tells you right then and there, this is going to go bad for them. Oh, yeah. But next, we see Petey arriving at the airport and going to a local radio station to do a promo for his show, which includes an all-girls chorus uh, show at Steve's Den just two days after Leroy and Skillet's opening night. I, I, I don't know what the the big problem is there unless they think that uh, there just aren't enough people going to see shows to support two shows in the same week i'm not sure well i, I think it's like uh pd weestraw is known to be the funniest comedian ever there's right. no way in hell that they're gonna get people to come see their show because their show sucks so much okay they, they're they're afraid of the competition so bad because he's got such a reputation that they're they figure it's like well, after that second night, we're not going to get any more money and we can't pay off because like 20% interest or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're going to go in the hole. That might be night. 20% per day. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, with the skillet, he hears it on the radio and then he gets his little desk calendar out. and He's like, wait, one, two days, the 14th. No, wait, that's two days after our, as soon as he gets here, no one's going to come see our crappy show. And then he goes and he tells Leroy that. Right. Well, Leroy has a plan, though. Leroy is going to try to convince Petey to postpone his show. Meanwhile, Petey's meeting with the owner of Steve's Den, complaining about the dressing room and hearing a really bad poop joke. Yeah. I mean, you can't have another comedian in your show without letting him do some of his jokes, I guess. It's just awkward chew-in dialogue. It's like, right. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, he's something right here and then we'll go with it because even then like all uh pd does is just reiterate what he said after that joke is like he said it's like your room yeah. looks like house your dressing room looks like a shit house and he tries to go deep and like do this like cute little thing where he like explains you know something about something he's like well your dressing room still looks like a shit house you know? exactly 
I'm, basically i'm gonna listen to you try to justify it but you're still wrong yeah <laughs> yeah it's pretty rough pd convinces ted to let his let his uh little brother help put up the posters and and steve says i'll even throw in a, a few dollars for him as well which of course causes more jokes about how cheap steve is playing off of the um you know the the dressing room because Steve huh. won't pay any money to improve his dressing room. So we see PD and his and his team all sharing a drink with Steve and then they walk out of the club. When they get outside, some folks are stripping his car and a foot chase ensues. And because this is a comedy, uh, the foot chase has to be high speed, three stooges style. Yeah. It totally reminds me of like uh the Benny Hill sketches. Yeah, it's a lot like Benny Hill. We run to the building, run around the building a couple times, run away from the building. They even get like a chick mixed into it, like somehow haphazardly. Yeah, a couple of guys are carrying a bench seat out of the out of the car, and there's a woman walking down the sidewalk, and they just run into her, and she falls on the seat, and they just carry her off. I see another couple of guys running, and and there are a couple of folks carrying. Uh, a crate full of eggs. And of course, that has to go straight up in the air. In slow motion. In slow motion. Yep. Yeah. All over the sidewalk. Petey catches up with them at a fence and delivers rhyming threats before the martial arts battle begins. And after beating them all up, Petey instructs them to take all of his stuff and put it right back in his car the way they found it. <laughs> and they do. They do it. Next, we see Ted and his brother Larry putting up posters for the show. Scarface Willie and his boys are are standing back watching. And when Ted and Larry leave, they go and pull one of the posters down and deliver it to Leroy. Leroy tells Willie he wants him to monitor Petey and his people and report back every hour what they're doing. Meanwhile, Leroy decides to call Petey over at Nell's apartment and pressure him to postpone the show. The thing is, well, Leroy owes Petey money. So Petey really doesn't have much of a reason for doing that. And, and that's exactly what Petey tells him when the phone rings over at Nell's. Nell's kind of frustrated before the phone rings, though, because she wants some loving, but Petey isn't too interested. He doesn't want to mix business with pleasure. Yeah, I love that that bit. Like she's like, "Don't be too long on the phone and shit." Also, when she answers the phone, she's like really sweet and stuff. Yeah, and then she hands like you know, Petey the phone, and she like gets this mean look on her face and shit. Like she's she's trying her damnedest. <laughs> and he's like, you know, I, he's always like, oh, "I just got off the plane, woman, leave me alone." And it's like, "Oh, come on, I just got off the phone, woman, leave me alone." And it's just. <laughs> And they keep on doing it throughout the whole movie. It's like every time Petey gets a phone call, it seems like she's about to jump on him. Yeah, so I mean, that was one of the things that I was thinking about. This this is part of the, you know, her desire to have some time alone with Petey is, is part of the body count of this show. Because <laughs> it yeah. never happens. <laughs> it's funny as shit, though. Well, Leroy tells Petey that he wants to pay him the money that he owes him, but on one condition. Uh, you need to postpone your show a few months. Petey's not going to do that. And when he gets off the phone, he wants Nell to call Jimmy and the boys to take care of Leroy and Skillet. 
Meanwhile, Willie is reporting back that Ted and his brother, his little brother, Larry, are still hanging the posters. So Leroy tells him to go rough them up a bit. It's got dark. So Ted and Larry are on the front porch and just having a little conversation before Ted goes back out to hang more posters. Larry tells Ted that he he wants to be a basketball player. Ted makes him promise that he'll stop skipping school. Because you're never going to make it as a basketball player if you don't go to school. Uh, so you got to promise. So, so Larry promises. He won't skip any more school. And that's when Scarface Willie and his crew show up. They're going to rough Ted up a little bit. He said, uh, tells him, you know, it looks like you've been really busy today. It's too bad you won't be able to work so hard tomorrow because your arm's going to be broken. And, <laughs> Yeah, and a fight ensues in the front yard. And in the course of the fight, Ted's little brother, Larry, gets shot. Yeah, he's, he's supposed to go over and rough up a guy. But instead, he pulls a gun. And then the little brother, like, spin kicks the guy in the stomach because he pulled a gun on his older brother. Right. And it really gets shot in the chest. And yeah. then, like, the comedy, like, becomes melodramatic all of a sudden. Yeah, it gets really dark really fast. A little too real. Well, Willie and Castro run off, and all of the neighbors run over to see if they can help. One of the neighbors says he saw the whole thing, got the license plate numbers. He's called the police and the ambulance. And Larry dies on the front lawn just before the ambulance shows up. Next thing we see is Larry's funeral. As the funeral party is leaving the church, Willie and his crew show up and kill everyone including Petey. they just step out of the cars like four of them with machine guns and they just mow everybody down yeah they drop the casket everybody of course like you know gets shot people start running and then yeah Petey gets shot like six times or something right very like this church interestingly enough still looks exactly the way it did back there in back in 1977 a couple of changes were made they had wooden doors in the movie they have glass doors now according to google maps street view yeah this church is on the corner of east 69th street and hooper avenue which is a residential area in los angeles and they've put a fence up around the the front steps to keep people from loitering there uh, apparently well, a man comes walking through the carnage on the church steps. He's looking for Petey. He provides him with a business card identifying himself as Lou Cipher, <laughs> which apparently was a typo, uh, an error on the part of the printers, and it's actually pronounced Lucifer. <laughs> he tells Petey to stand up, and as soon as Petey stands up, they are immediately transported to hell. This is his new home, by the way, because he is quite dead. I like the job they did on hell. Yeah, I mean, it was lit well. It was a pretty minimalist set. Yeah, but it's um, like it worked so well, though. It's like just black void, and then you got red lights for the people, like highlight stuff. Right. And that's it. And then you got like the scary sounds, like people moaning and screaming in the background. Yeah, yeah. It didn't have to do a whole lot and got the idea across per perfectly. But it's nice. It's like, uh, I don't know, like a little hotel room or something. It's got like a little table with like a, like a tea set on it and shit. But it worked. It's like perfect. Well, interestingly enough, most of the interior shots of this movie, places like Nell's apartment, 
and the billiards room and other, and then maybe the restaurant were all shot in the hotel where Rudy Ray Moore was living at the time. Oh yeah, he did the he did the same thing on uh, Dolomite. And so most of the interior shot, a lot of the interior shots here were filmed at the Dunbar Hotel in Los Angeles. Uh, the Dunbar Hotel is actually a, an historic site now. It was in decline at this period in the 70s through the 80s and eventually closed. But because of its significance to the jazz scene in Los Angeles uh, from the 19. 19- 30s on it's it's gathered some historic prominence and was purchased and very carefully restored and is now part of a affordable housing community oh yeah the the hotel and adjacent structures have like 80 some odd apartments in there with 41 of them actually being in the restored hotel and a lot of those are actually home to retired jazz musicians from the 1960s. Well, that's cool as hell. Yeah, but at the at the time of the filming of this movie, it was run down and not getting much better. No, yeah, he he moved in there when they started filming Dolomite and kind of just stayed around there. Right. Well, Lucifer has a proposition for Petey. Uh, it seems the devil needs a son. And in order for that to happen, somebody needs to marry his daughter. Now, if Petey will agree to marry the devil's daughter, he'll bring Petey back to life so that he can get revenge on Leroy and Skillet. The devil, in order to convince Petey that this was a good idea, showed him in his crystal ball, Leroy and Skillet, celebrating Petey's death. So Petey, of course, agrees. I'll marry your daughter. What's she look like? And then he sees a picture. I was like, no, no, just kill me. I'm not going to marry her. Uh, yeah, that, that text <laughs> like, well, let me see a picture of her. It's like, uh, uh, I hope, you know, look anything on our deal, Petey. You know, this is a once in a lifetime thing. He gives a picture. And he's like, oh, hell no. He's like, nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a and he's like off with the oh hell no that really sounds well he hears in his mind his old mentor bantu saying look use wisdom use wisdom use wisdom and so pd reconsiders all right all right i figure i can outsmart the devil so i'll agree and go along with well pd agrees and the devil sends him back making it as if the shooting at the church never happened and so everything just rolls backwards and the bullets fly out of people and people jump up alive from being dead people who did the shooting still believe they shot up the whole everybody at the church yeah that's what really messed with me a lot is he rewinds back everything at the church except for the guys that showed up and shot the right whole stuff. He didn't undo the shooting. He just undid the consequences of the shooting. Yeah. Which, and that part was, that's easy to miss. I missed it. But nope. uh, And Jimmy, of course, now now here's your one clue. And it's, this is, this is so easy to miss. You do get one clue because Jimmy, once they all start getting up and leaving, Jimmy's really confused. 
because he remembers seeing Petey get shot and he remembers getting shot himself. But Petey said, don't worry about it. I'll explain it. I'll explain it. Let's go. Back at Nell's, Petey explains his deal with the devil. And also, Ted vows to settle the score with Scarface Willie. That night at Leroy and Skillet's club, Ted shows up to pick a fight with Willie. Uh, Willie and his crew chase him behind the club and they start kung fu fighting. There's lots of kung fu fighting in this. Yeah. When Willie stops the fight to explain that, you know, I'm just going to kill you so that you can be with Petey because again he presumes he shot Petey and be with his brother and that's when Petey comes around the corner and scares them all off except for Willie (laughs) they they all think they've seen a ghost and, and Willie does too and he's so scared that he craps and pees his pants while Petey delivers rhyming threats holding him up against the wall and then he socks him in the stomach a couple of times just for good measure. Just for good measure, yeah. Punch him in the stomach a few times. The important part is you just crapped your pants while I was talking. Yeah. Oh, God. Back at Leroy and Skillets, Willie is recounting what happened while everybody else is holding a handkerchief over their nose and mouth. <laughs> Leroy's got more questions, but people in the room are starting to pass out from the smell. I can't take it no more. so leroy sends willie home to get cleaned up and we get a gratuitous shot of the back of his pants oh god yeah (laughs) that was not fun it was like some well a lot of the humor in this is like playground humor it's like really simplified like yeah it's very juvenile uh, yeah very juvenile and this is uh, uh now if you if you go to youtube you can find Rudy Ray Moore's stand-up. You can find Leroy and Skillet's stand-up. There's no way they could do the stuff that they used to do on stage and get an R rating. Absolutely not. No. And so, yeah, this is, this is what you do to get an R rating. Back at Nell's, Lucifer calls, Lucifer calls Petey to tell him about a magical cane that will allow him to use all of the devil's powers. Forgot to tell you this when you were down here. Then yeah, Nell gets like cockblocked again by the phone. Again, yeah. Second yeah, time. Like, I, I like this uh, whole thing though. Like Rudy Ray gets like a magic pimp stick. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of uh it, it's it's an interesting interesting gag. I like it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> after Petey gets off the phone, Leroy's men burst in to attack Petey and Nell. They tear up all of her furniture and her record player with with machetes and making really weird grunting sounds the whole time, like like they had to make their own sound effects with their voices. Yeah, I didn't get that grunting thing. It happens later, and yep. I, I wrote later as like those guys like Satan's minions, so they would make weird sounds. But these guys work for Leroy and Skillet, you know, right? Like they're not like you know demons and shit. Yeah. And then later on, later on, there's a point where the only one making these sounds is Petey. And it's like he's trying to make his mouth move like it's an overdubbed Japanese martial arts actor or something. No, that's that's going on. That's when uh, that fight that he's in right now, that's that's when he goes outside. That's yeah. right. Yeah, because because Petey is in his green underoos and penny loafers. Yeah. 
Oh man, yeah, I forgot about that. He does this weird thing where he like shimmies his head before he like goes and spin kicks some guy. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, he does that a lot. And the whole time he's doing that, his mouth, but it's just like him, like you know, blah 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 blah. But like, yeah, someone's overdubbed, like weird uh, kung fu like chants and stuff. Right. Probably not even his voice, and it's weird as hell. Like I didn't get that at all. But yeah, there's like this. It's uh, three or four guys surrounding Petey Weestraw, and he's doing his thing, right? And then one guy at a time attacks him. He spin kicks him, and that's the fight. That is the fight, yeah. They just do he, that like six times. Because after they tore up stuff in the house, for some reason, Petey walked out on the balcony, and there was a guy hiding out on the balcony who attacks him, and he throws that guy off the balcony and jumps down, and now we're doing a... um a circle around the hero martial arts battle Yeah, out on the sidewalk. Once the fight ends, there's another phone call. And she, yeah, she's like, hurry up and get off the phone. There are the phone. It's like, just hurry up. So many phone calls. It's Lucifer again. He, he wants Petey to, he really wants Petey to go get that cane. I told you about that cane like two minutes ago. And you still haven't gone to get it. What are you waiting for? Uh, I guess he did not understand. I was kind of busy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We immediately get more phone ringing. This time it's Petey interrupting Jimmy and his girlfriend doing the stuff that Nell wants to do, but Petey won't. (laughs) It's Petey. He wants Jimmy to go to the graveyard with him. Cut to the graveyard, and we see a drunk wandering through the graveyard, thinking he's on his way home. He starts knocking on a on a grave marker, thinking it's his front door, hollering for his wife to let him in. And all of the humor in this is just so slapstick. Yeah. It's bizarre. Well, his wife won't let him in because, well, this isn't his house, and that's not a door he's knocking on. So he decides he's going to go somewhere else and falls into an open grave. <laughs> and it's at that point that a dog starts howling somewhere, too. So we add the moaning drunk in the open grave to the howling dog just as Petey and Jimmy show up, and of course, Jimmy's going to be scared because that means there's ghosts. We got to get out of here. Well, they find the drunk, and, <laughs> and Petey tough. starts kicking dirt over him. Yeah. He's laying in the grave hollering, I'm cold, I'm cold. And Petey says, no wonder you're cold. You done threw all the dirt off of you. And starts kicking dirt in over him. Well, they find the cane. It's hidden behind an old tire in the, in the cemetery. And now that they've got the cane, Jimmy wants nothing better than to just get the hell out. Next, we cut to Leroy and Skillet's club. Renovations are still underway in preparation for opening night. And Mr. White arrives to check on their progress. I'd looked up this place, too, because it actually looks exactly, well, almost exactly like it did then. It's a bit different. It's no longer a theater. It's a bodega. Uh it is. It's got all kinds of uh, all kinds of signs plastered all over the front of it. It's right next door to a place with a sign in Spanish saying that they will transfer money for you. And across the street on the other corner is a Taekwondo studio, fittingly enough. That's pretty cool. Well, Mr. White doesn't seem terribly impressed with their progress on the place. 
just the same. He wants him to reserve some tickets for him and his wife and, and his, his guys. They're going to come see his show. He also wants reassurance that PDE being in town isn't going to be competition. And he said, no, we already killed PDE. We killed the competition that PDE was going to present. And that yeah. seems to mollify him a bit. But Leroy gives Scarface Willie one last chance to stop PD's show. Back at Steve's Den, a singer has arrived to audition. Her piano player couldn't make it, so she's going to sing a cappella. Oh, God. (laughs) Except her song only has one verse, and she can't sing. She can't sing, and I know the song she's singing. (laughs) Like, I've heard it before, like 50s rock and roll song. Yeah. But she's screaming it at the top of her lungs. And in a monotone her. yeah and just singing the same like line there's the same two lines from the song over and over again and she's standing there wooden you know like she's rooted to the spot staring off into space frankie and johnny were lovers <laughs> lovers oh god dude. it was awful and it just keeps going non-stop it does it through the whole scene through this entire scene, well, Petey's cane starts vibrating and then jumps into his hand and pulls him out of his chair and leads him to the restroom right in front of the stage. And this girl goes on singing oblivious to what's going on in front of her. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. So, like, yeah, it does the thing. And it's like a dousing rod or something. You know, it's like the magic, you know, dousing rod. And it goes and like it actually pulls him up out of the chair. And he's shaking the whole time. And the, the people at the table are staring at him like, what the hell's going on? And then, yeah, he goes to the bathroom. And it leads sh- him to a trash can between two urinals. And as soon as the cane touches the top of the trash can, it stops vibrating and he can suddenly set it down. Well, that's because he needs to open up the trash can and discover there's a bomb inside. It's, it's a wily Coyote type bomb, too. Totally. It's even got like the little alarm clock on it. Yeah, it is a bundle of sticks of dynamite attached to an alarm clock. Petey carries the bomb out into the club where he kind of trips, but it nah. looks more like he throws the bomb across the room and then falls down very gently. Yeah, it, it well, not nah, there's some like there's some <laughs> weird comedy time in that. He immediately kicks the door open and he goes. It is a bomb. And then that's when everybody <laughs> out for the scene. And then, yeah, he does the fake trip. But like that's like he's nervous. And he kind of throws it at Jimmy. He does. He throws it right at Jimmy. And then everybody hits the dirt except for the singing lady. She just keeps on singing. But she started marching now. Yeah. I thought that was her trying to keep time to the music that's not playing because she doesn't have. Maybe piano. because she wasn't doing it at the, at the, at the beginning, though. And yeah, uh, at a. Just a foot going, but then she adds an arm to it later, like she's marching. Oh, God. Well, they all hit the deck, and the timer stops, but the bomb doesn't go off. So maybe it was a dud. So Petey goes over to pick it up, and as soon as he does, it starts ticking again. Petey runs outside and throws the bomb and blows up an entire pickup truck loaded with watermelons. (laughs) 
And watermelon rains down everywhere. It rains down on Petey and his friends on the sidewalk. It rains down on the guy who was trying to sell the watermelon. It rains down on a cop directing traffic who just kind of looks around and then pretends it didn't happen and goes back to directing traffic. Yeah, that was that lost my shit at that scene because it's like it, it got him <laughs> caught in it arms circle, you know? Like yeah. when they like really when they get into their job and it's like oh, mid circle and he just stops, rains down, he's like, shit. And it goes back to directing traffic. Yeah, like it's just another Wednesday in Los Angeles. Back at Leroy and Skillets. It's opening night. Nope, skipped a part. PD sends Nell to get him and Jimmy some tickets to Leroy and Skillet's opening night. They're going to end this crap. At the opening night, there's a very colorful band on stage. <laughs> I think their costumes actually covered the entire spectrum of the rainbow. They did. Willie is at the door when PD and Jimmy arrive and says, I, I think you look uh, familiar. And however, Petey and Jimmy use their fake Jamaican accents to fool him. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't, they couldn't disguise their faces. They had to get dressed up to go out. So but, like, the Jamaican accent is what threw him. But Petey, like Rudy Ray Moore is dressed up pretty much the same. Yes. Except he's, yeah, Jamaican He's accent. dressed like Rudy Ray Moore. Rudy Ray Moore cannot do a Jamaican accent. No, no, he cannot. <laughs> Not Jimmy gets it like straight on. Like Jimmy got him in there. Jimmy's sounded almost South African. Yeah. Like if it wasn't for Jimmy, they wouldn't have got into that club. That's exactly right. Because <laughs> he can't do a Jamaican accent. He sounds like me trying to do a Jamaican accent. <laughs> well, Leroy also and Skillet come on stage and begin their stand-up act uh, with, with a joke about well, it's kind of a math joke, isn't it? Yeah. If you had $14.83 in one pocket, $12.41 in the other pocket, what would you have? I'd have somebody else's pants on because they wouldn't be mine. Also, he's wearing, he's wearing a safety pin in his crotch. Yes, he is. A big, one of those big carpet safety pins. It's weird. <laughs> Holding his fly shut. <laughs> I don't know why, but uh, yeah. I, yeah. Be there for a moment. I was like trying to like, is that a fashion statement? Did people do that? Is that like uh maybe her hat? Maybe that's like Flava Flav wearing a wall clock around his neck. Yeah, is that like was that that guy's bit or something? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, Petey and Jimmy are sitting in the audience, and Petey decides to use the cane that he got from Lucifer to screw up the show. He causes Leroy to first insult Mr. White's sister-in-law and then to insult Mr. White's wife. And uh, then he uses it to cause Skillet to insult the entire audience. <laughs> so Leroy and Skillet hastily exit the stage and on comes a singer. Petey uses the cane again to make the singer go hoarse. To make her clothes and wig go flying off. So she runs off stage too. Then he makes it start snowing in the theater. Yeah. That was bizarre. I don't know what was going on there. But the candles on the table start exploding. And everybody panics and runs for the door. 
except the doors are locked and Willie can't find the key to unlock them. That's when Ted walks up behind Willie and he's going to make Willie pay for shooting his little brother. Inside, Petey is continuing his destruction of the nightclub with a strange shot of Lucifer looking kind of like an evil Santa Claus because he's always been this very carefully groomed person up until this point. And now he's got wild white hair and a big shaggy beard. Yeah, that's like that's like the true face. That's like true Lucifer face. Whenever he's around here and stuff, he's trying to trick him. Right. It's the upper, you know, gentleman and shit. Well, the doors are finally open and everybody's running out into the street. Meanwhile, Ted is choking Willie out when Willie takes out a knife and stabs himself in the belly, killing himself and cheating Ted of his revenge. Back in hell, Lucifer and his daughter are watching Petey in a crystal ball and she likes what she sees. So they're going to go ahead and start planning the wedding. Petey. Meanwhile, is going around town granting wishes with the devil's cane. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. So, like, uh, there's this movie called Bruce Almighty. Yeah. And Jim Carrey does this exact same scene, except yep. not as, I think, I think uh, Rudy Ray totally killed it doing it this way. <laughs> Granted, like, Jim Carrey got the powers of God, and, and this, uh, he got the powers of Satan a pimp king exactly but yeah you tell this whole montage it's just them having fun and it's like hey let's pad out the movie yeah it's exactly what it was um i mean he had to abuse the cane though and this was a good way to do it we see a guy coming home just long enough to 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 get something and head right back out of the door again well his wife is suspicious and he she follows him she follows him straight to his girlfriend and <laughs> she's gonna kill him for cheating on well, him and that's comes, when that's when pd comes up like the guy comes in like all like after work and he immediately leaves like right in like a silk shirt and a big straw hat and he's like yeah you know what you're gonna go through yep he's immediately angry as hell yep so pd freezes the scene with the with the cane and tells the woman uh, don't kill him i will grant you one wish and she says, well, he's acting like a dog. Why don't you turn him into a little black puppy? So he does. <laughs> the only thing left is the hat. Yeah. Lucifer shows up at the club looking for Petey, and he's not happy. Uh, apparently, Petey is going around town using the devil's powers for good, and that doesn't sit well with Lucifer. Yeah. He also stops a boy from being hit by a car. Then he spanks the boy <laughs> and then very aggressively combs his hair. Yeah. Like all his little friends are beating the crap out of him. And like, he's like, eh, shut up. And he just starts <laughs> like picking his hair. He's like, yeah. And then like grabs the little kid. He's like, I'll pick your hair too. And that kid starts crying. And it's like on the ground. And there was no acting there. He genuinely made that boy cry. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was like hardcore. Yeah, and, and then they just stood back and, and filmed this boy crying after this grown man had been yanking his hair. Also, yeah. that kid, he, the one that's crying, he's wearing that t-shirt that says, I'm a little devil. <laughs> devil on it. How's that for appropriate? <laughs> funny as shit. He uh, 
yeah, while the music uh, plays, we see this shot of Willie skipping down the street with his cane, just waving it around like a magic wand. He turns a big woman skinny. He gives a poor family with a broken down car, a brand new car and new stylish clothes. And then he heads back to the club. Nell tries to tell him about a strange guy that showed up wanting to talk to him. And she thought she had a card, but she can't find it right now. And Petey's not concerned. He's just going to go back to the dressing room and get ready for his act. That's when Lou steps out from behind the clothing rack in the dressing room to inform Petey that your wedding is tomorrow. Oh, why? What's the rush? He said, well, I came to your aid in a hurry. You're going to do the same for me. Uh, the, the wedding's going to be in hell, and uh, Petey just needs to be ready. Also, uh, I'm going to need to get that cane back from you. <laughs> but Petey's not so not so eager to go along with that one. He kind of he says, I need this cane for one more day. And Lucifer agrees. You you can keep it for one more day, but you know, that boy that you saved from getting hit by the car, that was my work. You don't need to interfere with anything I'm doing with that cane anymore. And Petey agrees. He still thinks he can trick the devil and get out of marrying his daughter. Well, Petey tells Nell to call Jimmy. Later, Petey wants Jimmy to help him get out of the wedding. So Petey calls Lucifer, just picks up the phone and calls hell. And the devil answers. He's in bathtub. <laughs> and uh, Petey tells Lucifer that uh, he wants to go into deep meditation before his wedding, that it's something he promised his dad. And so he has to do it. And Lucifer reluctantly agrees. Meanwhile, Jimmy used to make stuff. So Petey wants him to make a mask that looks just like Petey. And then they're going to drug a wino, disguise him as Petey, and send him to hell in Petey's place. Foolproof. That's the second wino attack that Petey's done. I know. He really doesn't like wino. <laughs> he, I don't know what he's got against him, but yeah, they're, they're fair game as far as Petey's concerned. Then th I got confused. Okay. Lucifer agreed that before the wedding, Petey would go into deep meditation, that he would be in a deep meditative state. Yeah. Then he just got done telling everybody, when they come to get me, you're going to tell them I'm in deep meditation, and they are not to disturb my meditation. Then we see Lucifer just walk in after he's been out very, very publicly jogging. Oh, yeah. I mean jogging in a parade style kind of yeah he's waving at everybody he's dressed all in red yep he's got his red track suit on he's got his red sneakers waving at everybody as he runs by and stuff. well he comes into the club and surprises everybody uh he's got a pre-wedding gift for pd uh and <laughs> all right everybody i'm going to go with him yeah i'm gonna go <laughs> My father-in-law. Everybody smiling. Shut up. <laughs> well, they, wherever they're going, they have to get there by jogging. And so Petey and Lucifer go jogging down the street. And um, they come to a condemned building. And Lucifer kicks the door open. And they walk inside. And inside is a very feral man who tries to attack Petey. He just comes out of nowhere, disappears back to nowhere. It's a um, hunchback. Yeah, not Total really block. sure what that's all about. I, I just it, 
the devil's minion. He's got to have like a hunchback. He looks like Quasimodo. Yeah. Well, the one thing that I forgot to mention is that when when the devil kicks the door open, it's very dark inside, but he motions for Petey to enter. Petey makes a Scooby-Doo noise, like, and then they go on in. Yeah. <laughs> this is probably filmed in that uh, hotel. Might have been. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure because it's like the same room was used in uh, Dolomite. Yeah, so once the uh, once this feral guy runs off, this place is set up for Petey's bachelor party. Lucifer explains that he always wanted a bachelor party but didn't get one, so he's going to give Petey one, and he's got this room set up all in red satin, and he snaps his fingers, and eight female demons appear, female devils appear, and Petey's going to have a demonic orgy, fast-forward style. Yeah, like uh, Benny Hill. Uh, yes. This is, uh, like, all of Rudy Ray Moore's movies have, like, a sex scene in them. Yep. This one, like, is, I'm going to say mostly PG, like, considered, like, the other movie. It really is. It's really silly and stuff. You see a couple boobs. But other than that, it's just him acting silly in front of a camera. Right. In a minute. Yep. But, yeah, he does go down. At the end, they're all passed out, and Petey's getting dressed and ready to head back to the club. Nell and the rest of the gang are waiting for the car to arrive to get Petey. It's going to be there at 11 o'clock. After Petey comes in, Jimmy comes running right behind him. They're here right now. You got to go. So Petey takes off into the dressing room to hide and in come two devils to pick up Petey. They give him the disguised wino and remind them not to disturb his meditation. The only problem is once they get him in the car, the wino wakes up and feels his face and he pulls off the Petey mask to reveal that's not Petey. And then he sees there's devils driving this car and panics. So you would think they would turn around and go back and get the real Petey, right? No, no, that's yeah. not what we're going to do. Because uh, the, the next thing we see is Lucifer standing in hell holding the Petey mask. Back at the club, Petey is telling the gang that they need to get out of there right now. We need to get to the, go back to the apartment, get some stuff, and get out of town. When a bunch of caped demons come in the door and a bra bar brawl ensues. Karate style. Karate style, yes. A kung fu bar brawl. Petey ends up using the cane to run these demons off. So Lucifer, back in hell, looking like the evil Santa Claus again, has assembled his elite disciples to bring Petey to hell. Back at Nell's apartment, they're packing in a rush. They're going to go catch a plane. They figure if they leave the state, that Lucifer won't be able to find them. Yeah, they, they figure if they get on the other side of the country, if they go from the West Coast to the East Coast, Satan can't get them. Yeah, that's how it works. Because yeah, you know, just, like, just like in the Dukes of Hazard, the sheriff can't cross the county line. And it's probably the same thing here. If we get if we go from Los Angeles to New York, he, he doesn't have any power there. <laughs> but more demons break in and another kung fu demon brawl ensues. Petey uses the cane again to hold them off while they all make an escape. Nell is the only one that got out with a suitcase, but she drops that. She's trying to gather up all of her stuff, but but Petey grabs her and drags her to the car and they get away. Well, they didn't give it to a car. They're, they're, they're running. 
They stop in an alley for a second to catch their breath, and more demons appear. Petey's using the cane to choke him out this time until he hears Lucifer up on the roof of the building, and he's holding Nell captive. Petey sends Jimmy to go get his car and wait out front while I go take care of this. And then he uses a ladder to climb up on the roof of the building with the cane. Up on the roof, not only does Lucifer look like an evil Santa Claus, he's dressed like Nacho Libre. Yeah, they're all dressed up like wrestlers. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to return Petey to hell, and he's going to let Nell go because he doesn't have, she doesn't fit into his plan at all. So he's going to let her go, no problem. Once Nell is clear, we get another kung fu brawl with devils chasing Petey across the rooftop. Petey lost the cane, and then he grabbed the cane again, and there's some weird stuff there. Nell uh, has made it back to the car. Jimmy's got his car, and he's parked out front. They're waiting for, for Petey. Nell's in the car. She wants Jimmy to go help him, but Petey said, no, no. He told her, Jimmy says, no. Petey told me to sit in this car and wait for him, and I'm going to sit in this car, and I'm going to wait for him. Yeah, I'm not going up he's, on that roof. He's had enough. Yeah. And I can't say I blame him. Petey, up on the roof, is still fighting for his life against a gang of demons. Back down in the car, Nell's going to try again. She wants Jimmy to take her to her apartment so that she can get some of her stuff before she leaves, because that's where all her underwear is. (laughs) See, Jimmy is a solid guy. It sounded like he was a dickhead. Like, I'm not going up there and help my friend. I'm going to stay right here in the car, because he told me to stay right here in the car. Yeah. And then she's like, well, I got to go to my apartment. I got to get my stuff. I got to get my purse. Yep. And it's like, oh, man. Yeah, well, he, he does. He he agrees and goes back, takes her back to her apartment to get some of her stuff so that they can all leave. Up on the roof, Petey is using the cane against Lucifer himself now, and he's winning, it looks like. Petey's using the cane to wear him down, and then he picks him up, and then there's a cartoon Kapow starburst, and he throws the devil off the roof in flames. The problem I had with this scene, though, is that like two seconds before that little Kapow star burst and the devil burst into flames, about two seconds before that is when the fireplace sound effects started. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, Petey breaks the cane over his knee and there's nothing left of Lucifer except a scorched crime scene outline on the ground. Yeah, I like that he broke the cane. Yeah, yeah, we gotta, we gotta make sure that there's an end to this. This has gone on long enough. Down on the street, Petey heads toward what he thinks is Jimmy's car. But as he gets in, we see Jimmy and Nell and Ted pull up across the street. So whose car did Petey get into? Could it be Satan? Oh, I know him. What? Oh, what is his name? Let's see. Hmm, could it be Satan? (laughs) Yep. Petey is in the back seat exclaiming that he just killed the devil. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the front seat, Lucifer turns around and says, Did you, son? In the front seat of the car is Lucifer and his daughter and Leroy and Skillet. <laughs> that is a really wide car. Yeah. The devil's daughter says... Now you may kiss the bride, and she lifts up her veil to reveal a pretty decent zombie makeup. Yeah, it was pretty good. 
It was really good. PD screams and roll credits. PD Weedstraw. PD Weedstraw, the devil's son-in-law. This was this was a roller coaster of a movie. Yeah, it's yeah. a good inter- movie for uh, Rudy Ray Moore. Yeah, yeah. Because if you like this one, you love everything I got put out. Well, I will say this from my perspective. I really had to want to watch this movie. This this wasn't a movie that drew me in. I mean, it's there are good things in it, but its production value is really, really bottom shelf. Oh, yeah. When, when you talk about independent films, <laughs> and I mean independent, independent. I'm not talking about like, oh, these are some like, you know, college kids, you know, with some yeah. uh, studio money working on something that's not going to make, you know, theater. This was put in theater. These guys shoestring the shit out of every movie they put out with. Right. And they're decent for what they are. But yeah, it's not everybody's like a. No, no, it, that, that's true. This, this movie requires a very specific sense of humor, or you're watching it for a purpose. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, it's not a bad movie. Uh, the juvenile humor, it works for me. I like juvenile humor. I won't. I'm gonna own that one. <laughs> and so, yeah, this worked for me. Also, I kind of like just the whole plot of it's like an old tale, wives' tale, tricking the devil, uh, right? You know, oh, you get this magic scepter, you know. And it's like you know, it's like uh, the jack o' lantern like myth, you know, where the guy tricked the devil with the pumpkin and all that, right? So it's, I just like to like that, you know. But yeah, it's 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 out there. Petey Wheatstraw. That's the great thing about the Faust story is that it is so reusable because people like that story. Uh, they like the idea of, you know, a hero overcoming evil, an underdog prevailing against all odds. And, and then there at the end, you get some justice as well, because when, when Petey tried to go back on a deal he made, you know, it, it didn't work out for him. So. You got uh, a few universal themes that that work really well to make a a extremely low budget movie work out. Yeah. All right, man. I think that's a podcast. Hell yeah, man. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We had a lot of fun making it. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us. You can follow CDF Pod on Facebook and Instagram or at CDF underscore pod on Twitter. You can also visit our website at CDFPod.com. And don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to Patreon.com slash CDFPod. Join us next time as we explore another movie so awesome it probably shouldn't have been made. Oh,